morning. Welcome to May. May 8th, 2019. And I may have a very noisy car today. It's a beautiful day. No question. Uh, but my uh, car is a mess from several events and uh, special things we did last week during our vacation. We just cut off our off of our Golden Week vacation. Uh, Golden Week in Japan is a basically a week of uh, special days um, where oh, sorry, this is probably going to loud. Close my window here. Uh, where many uh, national holidays all fall within a week and usually uh, you're able to take an entire week off of work. Um, but this year was sort of a jubilee golden week uh, because it represents also the coronation of uh, the new emperor. So the old emperor of Japan uh, abdicated and the new emperor has now uh, taken his place, uh, his son. Uh, and this is unique in Japan because uh, up until this point, all, that, all, all uh, new emperors took the throne after the death of their predecessor. But this time, uh, the emperor retired. Um, so it's sort of a, an unprecedented uh, thing. And so Japan's been looking forward to this event for two years, they're able to prepare for it very well, instead of having to wait for an old man to die, uh, they were able to, um, yeah, uh, kind of be proactive about planning for it, I guess, and uh, so, yeah, that happened last week, about a week ago, I guess. Yeah, uh, and man, lots of stuff happened last week because it was kind of a special week and uh, <clears throat> a lot of people took time to do things they liked to do and the weather was, weather was kind of hit and miss. We had rainy days, but we also had really, really, really nice weather on a few days, uh, which was great. And uh, so we had some barbecues and some picnics and more barbecues, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just a good, it was a good week, it was a good week, um, in fact, I, let's see, we, we hosted two barbecues during that time, uh, went to another one, and then we had a picnic as well, so really within maybe nine or ten days time, we had four really fun uh, events with our friends. Good. Got to play some basketball. Watch some basketball. Celtics are not doing great, by the way. Down three to one to the Bucks. Uh, but 
we'll see how that plays out. Um, got some reading done. Got back into the uh, uh, Christ the Eternal Tao book, uh, which I had put down for a while. Um, but I'm back into that. Man, it's just such a great book. Great book. I probably read maybe 30 or 40 pages the last couple of days. Trying to catch up with my friend Pat, uh, who's reading it as well. Uh, and also we have, uh, I think I talked about this, but we, we have kind of started again our uh, Thursday uh, uh, men's morning meetings. Uh, so I've been able to meet. Well, last week we took off because it was Golden Week, but yeah, maybe twice now or three times we've met, and that will continue tomorrow morning, which is just a really good thing uh, that I enjoy doing. And we have some older gentlemen uh, visiting us uh, or uh, joining the group. Um, two two men who who I have known. Uh, and admired for uh, many years and respect uh, from the area have joined uh, our group of three so now we're anywhere from three to five people usually uh, maybe I should say two to five people are meeting now on Thursday mornings uh, just for some you know reflection and support and, and uh, yeah it's a very good group enjoy it um and what else is going on? Man, today is my daughter Anna's birthday uh, in in Hawaii. Here, we're already a day after. So she, she uh, her, her birthday is on May 7th, which right now it's still May 7th in Hawaii, but here it's um, the 8th already. I think she turns 26. Yeah, 26 years old. Crazy, crazy. Uh, and we're getting ready to go see her and her sister Erica in about a month. Should be really awesome. Uh, yeah. Not really sure what to talk about. I've got the book here, Christ the Eternal Tao, next to me, and there's been a lot of great things that I read even this morning. Um, one thing that he talks about, the author of this book talks about is, um, let's see, find it here. Well, he's talking about the difference between the spirit and the soul and, and you know, what is the nature of our spirit and how does how is that different from the soul and and uh, what is the relationship between the two um, and which is higher which is lower which is superior or which is inferior uh, to, <coughs> to the other <coughs> excuse me <coughs> uh, which is kind of interesting um, the way he says it he kind of says it as if you know, there's no question about what he's saying, but the way I've understood both of those things, the spirit and the soul, up to this point, um, I feel like there has to be a lot more uh, leeway <laughs> in understanding because it's just something that's so, so difficult to grasp. 
Um, <clears throat> one thing that I've, I guess, kind of the, one of the working, uh, working knowledge, I guess, uh, I've been working on the belief that the spirit is actually a part of God that he places in all of us. Um, and that the soul is more the self, right? Uh, but he, he doesn't think that. He doesn't believe that the spirit is actually a part of God. He would say that the spirit is the image of God, right? So we're given uh, something that is of the same function or makeup or substance. I'm not sure that God has, but it's still very much unique to us. It's, it's still us. It's, it's, you know, so, so that our identity would be found in spirit, soul, and body. So the spirit is unique to us. Our spirit is unique to us. Our soul is unique to us. And our body, of course, is unique to us. Uh, whereas kind of the way that I've been looking at it is that the spirit is, is what, you know, the part of God that he put in all of us. Um, right. And so I guess it's, yeah, I guess it's the, if you look at the, 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 I almost said imagery, uh, but the word image, right? Uh, let us make man in our own image is what, uh, God said, um, image, right? We have to figure out what that is. Usually it's a, it's a representation. It's a reflection. It's, it looks like, but is not, you know, something, right? Um, and so in that context, yeah, I suppose if, if our spirit is what God put in us, if you can say that that's what that is, uh, then, yeah, I suppose, you know, I suppose that kind of works. Um, sorry, I just got distracted by this Mercedes that has parked caddy corner and just really annoyingly taking up more space than it should just because, you know, it thinks it's a Mercedes and can do that. Anyway, that stuff bugs me. Probably shouldn't, but anyway, it does. So, if, if that's the case, then, then our spirit is unique to each of us, just as our soul is unique to each of us. Uh, and, uh, but the spirit is supposedly superior to and in tune with the spirit of God. And so listening to the spirit and I suppose suppressing the voice of the soul, uh, would be the direction one needs to head to be more, to be, to be living more in conjunction with the will of God, I suppose. Um, releasing of the spirit and the subduing of the soul. Um, and again, the spirit, though it's, it still is associated with yourself. It is a part of you that is made in the image of God, uh, and is more attuned to, to comprehend or to listen to, to, to understand, 
to interpret what God is saying to you specifically. In other words, it's almost like a receiver. So our soul could be said to be the part of us, a uh, third ear, if you will, that is attuned to the voice of God. Or almost a, you know, a cell phone that you receive that's only, or a walkie-talkie, I should say, uh, where on the other end, uh, God's voice. Uh, but you have to turn the walkie-talkie on. You have to, you know, maintain its batteries. You, you have to make sure it's, uh, you know, um, in working order and that you're listening to it. You could put it on a shelf or in a box uh, and uh, under a bunch of blankets where you can hear it and there would be a way, of course I'm speaking metaphorically now, uh, but it could be a way to uh, to suppress the voice of God. And in fact, I would say all of those things I just said about, you know, putting the walkie-talkie in a box or, or you know, turning it off or, or putting it under a bunch of blankets, that would be metaphorically attuned to what sin does in our life, I suppose, uh, that suppresses uh, the voice of God. Um, yeah, the suppresses the voice of God, right? Sin would be what possibly suppresses the voice of God. I'm still not, I'm not totally bought into what, um, what Damascene says in all of this. I'm still kind of processing it. I'm trying to process what he says, not, not saying that I agree or, or even disagree with what he says. Um, still kind of I can see where it would work I just don't have any reason besides him saying that it's true uh, to believe it right that I, I don't have any other corroborating uh, scripture or anything from Jesus um, uh, but it's interesting right and of course I've always wondered always I often wonder about this relationship between uh, spirit and soul, especially spirit and soul. Of course, you have other things that are mind and heart, and so many of these things are really metaphorical. We don't understand. I, I heard it once said that scientifically, you can't prove that consciousness is born in the brain, which is interesting, right? If our consciousness our conscious mind, our thinking, right, um, does not come from the brain, where does it come from? It's an interesting question. Maybe the brain uh, <clears throat> processes, but that thoughts actually come from the spirit and goes through the soul and into the mind and heart uh, and then into the body. I don't know how it all works. I'm not sure. <laughs> But I do know that I would love to be more in tuned to the voice of God. I would love to be able to speak with Him and commune with Him more often. Uh, and and uh, yeah, that that would be a wonderful thing if if I could learn to do that better. Uh, of course, I. I do and have perceived um, God speaking in my life in many ways, right? 
Um, but of course, we all long for that face-to-face -face conversation with Jesus. You know, that would be something that uh, that would be just amazing. Um, when and if that comes, uh, I look forward to that. Um, yeah, that's what I've been thinking about this morning, or reading about, now I've thought about it. Uh, something else came up, what was it? Oh, okay. So, it occurred to me this morning that most, that I, okay, let me talk about myself, I don't know how most people, uh, begin theologically thinking about things. Um, but my progression seems to have been uh, Old Testament into the New Testament then into the epistles and then probably Jesus and now I would say to Christ. Okay, that's probably the progression of how, of the, the road that I've been, uh, that I have taken up to this point to understand uh, who God is, let's say. That's the road I've been taking. So it started with an Old Testament understanding of God, right? God as, as a creator, God as uh, lawgiver, God as uh, sin punisher, um, God as kind of the volatile uh, Lord in the sky who uh, who is perfect and yet does what he wants because he's too powerful to be stood against. Right, that so even though he tells us not to kill, he can kill, and it's mostly because, um, mostly because he created everything. He owns everything. Everything is his. Therefore, he can do with it what he wants. And and to me, that's the that's the God that I understood for a very very long time. Of course, I understood Jesus came, and and Jesus fit into that as a kind of a dispensation. Uh, of God. In other words, God kind of changed the way he did things for a while. He brings Jesus in and, and Jesus dies for everyone and for those who are baptized and live a good Christian life, you know, whatever that means, um, they will be saved. But then the God of the Old Testament will return and punish all of the wicked once for all and the wicked will be thrown down to hell with the devil and his angels and tormented forever <clears throat> and the saved uh, will go to heaven and live and praise God forever there uh, in some kind of uh, whatever eternal happiness is uh, and the earth will be destroyed. 
right? The earth itself will be utterly destroyed. Um, there will be no animals in heaven. Uh, in heaven, there will be only uh, the few people who were baptized, and, and I might say baptized the correct way. <laughs> right? And so you had, you had this powerful vindictive God on both ends of the scale and in the middle uh, you had uh, the story of the people of Israel of course and then you had Jesus right and and Jesus represented a time where we had a very tender loving image of God excuse me uh, a very kind and tender image of God and God's Son came uh, in order to get the few people that were born at that time or from then until the end of the world saved. But everybody before that wasn't saved except maybe a few heroes of the faith that we could uh, somehow we could justify them being saved even though they weren't baptized and didn't know Jesus. Um, but yeah, so so that was the the image of God that I had, and that image, of course, went into uh, what the church was, right? So okay, the church are the elect, the saved people on earth uh, who have been uh, chosen to spread the gospel, and the gospel was if you are if you hear and believe and repent and confess and are baptized you too can be saved uh, from this horrible earth and live forever uh, and so my my thi- theological ideas of God from the Old Testament went into a kind of naturally flowed through a very brief door of Jesus into a an ecclesiastical uh, idea of salvation. In other words, the church basically are the people getting on the life raft uh, and who are going to be saved. Uh, and our job is to expand the life raft and get as many people on board as possible. Uh, and to get on board, they had to you know, do certain things and jump through certain hoops and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then from there... Um, and I would say that's, that was my, that was the progression, my progression up through, uh, I would say from birth until in my thirties for sure, possibly into my forties even, uh, somewhere close to say 38, 39, 40, I was introduced to other ways of church, like other ways the church could happen. Uh, so I'm still on an ecclesiastical kind of trajectory, really worried about church and doing church right. Uh, and then through that, through authors that introduced me to that, they also talked about the, the primacy of, of Jesus. Uh, and so I finally got to a better theological understanding of who Jesus is. Uh, and how Jesus is the center 
or I believed at that time Jesus was the center of all that God was doing in history. Uh, and then from there, thank God, uh, I started to understand that through some other books and other writers, uh, and this is probably within the last, okay, I'm 50 now, so within the last, say, three or four years, maybe five years, I started understanding that Jesus was the exact representation of God. In other words, my picture of who I thought God was from the Old Testament was a very poor picture of God. And that I can understand exactly how God is by looking at Jesus. And so this also, this also now um, gave me a new way of looking at the Bible, right? How did I understand the uh, inspiration of the Word of God now? How, do, how does that work? <clears throat> um, so it changed the way I read the Bible dramatically. And I mean the entire Bible. Um, and so here, here's what I'm getting at. Okay, okay. so from there, and now now I'm kind of getting into the idea of the, uh, the eternal Christ, or the cosmic uh, Christ, as he's also called, the universal Christ. Uh, that's kind of the direction uh, that my theology is going now. But there are a lot of years I feel like wasted. And there was a, there was a time that I, I actually thought time didn't matter. There was a, I know that sounds paradoxical. There was a time when I thought time didn't matter. In other words, if your faith is weak, it's not because you need more time to experience God or to read the Bible. You don't need more time. You just need a gift of strong faith from God. You need to pray that God will bless you with strong faith, stronger faith, that faith is a gift from God. I, I don't... I'm not going to say that faith is not a gift from God now, but it does seem to be true that people need time come to a better understanding of the divine. People need time. But I can't help but think that we need so much time because so many of the roads we go down are just dead ends. They're just not helpful. And how farther along might we be had we known which roads led to better destinations early on? See, here's what I'm wanting to... Here's here's my... That was all background. Okay, what I just gave you. Here's what I wanted to say. We need to start with Jesus. We need to start with Jesus. Okay, and, and, and maybe we need to start with the idea of the eternal Christ. I'm not sure. But how different would it have, be, would it have been if... All of my Sunday school and all the conversations with parents and adults who supposedly were farther along in the faith than I was, if they had said, hey, focus on Jesus, right? Let's learn who Jesus is. Jesus is this. Jesus is that. Don't worry about the Old Testament yet. That will come. I want you to get a profound understanding of the heart of Jesus.
And as a child, I think you can do that. I think you can understand that he loved everybody, that he wanted to help everybody, that he wanted to heal, right? That he wanted to love, that he wanted to give a family to, that he wanted to accept, and that he wanted us to do those same things to everybody. This is the heart of Jesus. Learn who Jesus is, okay? Jesus is the person who takes away our fear. Jesus is the person who uh, feeds the hungry. Jesus is the person who heals the sick, right? Jesus is the person who provides community to the outcast. This is Jesus. This is the heart of Jesus, right? And as, as a child, I think if I would have eaten at that table, uh, for longer and better without all of the confusing stories of Jonah and the whale and, and you know David and Goliath uh, and the, the parting of the Red Sea and the you know the plagues of Egypt and you know all of these not to mention the, the genocides of the conquest of Canaan you know all these things all these stories are sprinkled in and because they're taught by people who don't understand that God is exactly like Jesus, they don't know how to uh, interpret those stories for us in a way that honors the character of Jesus, right? They, how would they know? They don't, they don't see a problem. They don't see how that God is nothing like Jesus. Uh, and so... Kids need to focus on Jesus. I think everybody does, right? Until you come to a, an understanding of who Jesus is, and then from there, take the step to understand, okay, now that you know who Jesus is, he was a person, he lived like this, we know how he lived. Now you know exactly how God is. Congratulations, you understand the character of God. Now with that in mind, this is how we can read the Old Testament and the epistles and I know I'm harping on other things that I've said before and you know I just I just wonder I want to meet I want to meet the kid or the adult who went on that journey since they were a kid who were so immersed in Jesus that when they came into adulthood they had a, a grasp of the character of God and didn't spend so many sleepless nights in shame, uh, didn't spend so much time uh, wondering about their salvation and, and, and uh, being guilty for the, the thoughts in their head, but they understood from a very young age that Jesus understands, Jesus forgives loves you no matter what you think, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter what you will do, no matter your race, your sex, no matter any of it, Jesus understands, Jesus loves you, he accepts you, and he cares for you, and he will take care of you forever, because that's who God is, that's who Jesus is, that's who God is. 
and that the only way that you could ever not receive that is to reject Jesus. And it doesn't mean here. It means forever. You would, you would have to forever reject Jesus. Because he's going to keep giving you opportunities to accept him. Whether you're alive, whether you're dead, doesn't matter. Because he loves you that much, he's going to keep giving you opportunities to accept him. And the only way you can ever be taken away, taken out of the love of Christ, is if you take yourself out. And the only way you take yourself out is by making choice. It's not by sinning. It's not by any of that. that person be like by the time they were 50? What kind of a grasp? You know, if they had been drinking from the fountain of life from their earliest possible days, what would they be like by the time they're my age? What would they understand that I'm, I'm just, you know, 50 years from understanding because of all the junk that got into my brain and got in my way. Uh, and I have to tell you, I'm glad where I am today. Like I, I, you know, the things that I'm starting to be taught and starting to understand, man, are just so wonderful. Maybe because of the context. That I grew up in, you know, maybe the, the the disparity between what I used to think and what I now think is so great that I really appreciate what I think now, you know, but yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I guess regret is a part of life, um, and parents do the best they can. I suppose what I can do to perhaps help some people down that road is just talk to the people who have young children that I know and who, who, who trust me and start talking to them about that, right? Start talking that idea out. The other stuff's hard to understand. It's hard to figure out, but... If you have Jesus as your lens, uh, the other things make sense, make perfect sense, and and are truer, uh, truer than they were when you thought they, everything was true. <laughs> if that makes sense, <laughs> they become more true when you realize that everything they wrote was not true, but was from a perspective, right? They wrote from a perspective. They wrote from their own understanding of God, from their own theology. And of course, it's not enough just to teach kids about Jesus. You need adults who are, who are imitating Jesus in their life, who are living in a way that shows that, that Jesus is in them, that the Holy Spirit is in them. 
you know, but if you if you can start your your journey with Christ uh, in understanding Jesus, and then understanding uh, who God is because of that, and then understanding understanding who we are because of who God is as seen in the person of Christ. I just feel like your journey starts uh, and is a much direct, much more direct route um, than it would have been otherwise. Uh, certainly more efficient. And efficiency, of course, is not all we should be worried about, but it does seem that we waste a lot of time And if we had a decent map from the beginning, uh, things could have been better. <laughs> you know, if we had a map that said, start here, okay, go to here, and then go to here, and go to here. Actually, a visual on that might be helpful. I don't know. I don't want it to become for overly formulaic. I'm not really big on formulas. why I'm not a real big person on liturgy or the creeds. Um, and yes, I am showing myself to be a proponent of a formula. Start with Jesus, that, that would be my formula. Because <clears throat> man, I think the world just looks like a totally different place when you realize who God is what the character is actually like of the God who made it. Which also tells you what his vision for the world was. And then you can look at it, what it's become, and then be just so glad that, that he is going to eventually um, bring it all back to his original vision. And that we get, we all get to benefit from that. It's just a wonderful, great thing. I'm going to have to cut this off. I'm getting to my destination and kind of covered a couple different uh, subjects, I know. Um, but uh, hopefully they were useful to you. Sorry, this one went a little longer than usual, but for some reason I got behind a lot of uh, slow people today. My time is taking a little longer than it usually does. So I'm going to cut this off in just a second. You guys have a wonderful day. Uh, I love to hear comments um, for or against things I say. Either way, it's all good. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye bye.